Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and I know it's been a while since we chatted. Um, now the holiday season's finally over, um, I've got a new schedule um, coming in at work. So it's been pretty busy here juggling um, a much longer commute than I had before, um, as well as things here at Mossy Bottom Homestead. So um, there's been a lot going on and after some thoughts um, I really felt that a podcast format to kind of help walk you through some permaculture stuff wasn't really helping you out too much because I feel that a lot of things with permaculture are very visual and kind of having somebody there to sort of show you what's going on is much more valuable. Um, so I'm going to be breaking that down into videos. There's going to be a bunch of stuff coming to my YouTube channel that you can follow along with. Plus you can see how we are actually putting this in with our homestead so you're going to be able to kind of see how we're surveying stuff and how we're implementing things right here on mossy bottom homestead so if you're not on youtube um and you'd like to be and you'd like to see how that all shakes down then definitely look us up on youtube and look for misfit gardening I really think it's important for you to see from the beginning and see how changes happen in real time, especially when it comes to permaculture or anything that you're kind of building, because as a beginner, it's really hard to see, like from some of these garden or homestead tours that are an established garden, you know, or an established food forest, like how, how did that look? What was that journey like and that succession and you know what what did it look like how was that swale dug right like I want to kind of help show you how these things are being done and I'm trying to do a lot of it with my own labor um and by that I mean like I'm not you know planning on renting an excavator or anything like that it's just me and a shovel going to be doing that so um yeah I would really like to um you know show you guys how that looks um so check that out um as those come through this season um today though i want to talk a bit about some homestead improvements and some planned garden experiments um if, for those of you that have been listening a while you probably know that i like to try out different things on the homestead and i kind of wanted to talk about what some of those things are because you know as you know we're still in winter but we're moving towards spring now you know everybody is starting to get a little antsy i think we're really wanting to start getting planting um, and I really like to sort of plan out what some of these experiments are going to be on the homestead and figure out kind of where things are going to go and what we're going to trial whether it's a new variety of something or something a little bit more but there's some definite improvements that need to be done and since moving to a homestead with acreage um not that we've got tons of acreage we've just got a couple of acres here um but there's some general improvements that we want to make around the place and sometimes as a homesteader, even in the city or in the suburbs, there's a bunch of things that you want to do. There's a couple of things that you need to do and you're going to need to prioritize some of those need to do's over some of the want to do's. Um, and being adaptable is a valuable trait as a homesteader. Um, for us, the main improvements are around fencing and water. So I want to talk about water catchment first. So harvesting rainwater is going to be a big feature for us here at Mossy Bottom. First of all, the basement, 
needs us to redirect the water so things can dry out right if you've just got water running straight off a roof and down like right next to the property it just kind of creates a lot of problems with the foundation with the about you know with the basement and stuff so we definitely need to dry things out we live in an old house um, our house was built in the 1700s and um, you know she's been standing for a while so we want to um, kind of help her stand for you know 200 plus more years so doing that is going to help by redirecting the water away um, rainwater is actually better like way better to water your plants with than well water or city water if that's what you have and you know certainly where I lived in the UK like I would use rainwater um, before I would turn on the tap to use the municipal water that was coming you know from um, the house on the outdoor faucet or the outdoor tap because you know city water was expensive and um, I know a lot of you are in the same position where using the city water is going to be costing you more money so how can we reduce that cost because you know gardens do take up a lot of water plants need the water to be able to grow um so first of all i would say that if you are in the city or the suburbs or you know even a bit more rural definitely check your city's ordinance and bylaws and any hoa rules around rainwater harvesting some places have restrictions so it is worth finding out what those are before jumping in and doing a bunch of rainwater harvesting and then finding that you've got to take it down and there's a fine so definitely check before you um, do anything it doesn't take too long to check and see um, and it's worth spending that time before you know having to deal with a headache later now I've seen some really interesting setups for rainwater harvesting from chicken coops harvesting rainwater that then provide the water for the chickens or the ducks or turkeys or whatever right I've seen some really cool um, designs with garden sheds you know and some old recycled gutters a bit of downpipe and a blue 55 gallon barrel being used on allotments that's certainly how I used used to harvest rainwater on my allotment was with a couple of 55 gallon barrels um, and I've recently seen some pretty cool rainwater harvesting that was with barrels that were placed horizontally rather than vertically and they were stacked up so there was like three three or four 55 gallon barrels all horizontal stacked up against they were kind of in this building like in a kind of like lean-to almost type of structure and um, they were really stacked up to minimize that footprint you know where they were and if the structure supporting those filled barrels is made well enough to support the weight of all that water because that is going to be heavy um, I thought that was such a neat idea because it basically had them filling you know like to the next one down so you'd have all of this weight of the water kind of helping um you know and it would help keep the pressure um of the water coming out a bit more um higher for you which you know is having decent water pressure is pretty um it's not something that i thought of when it came to watering my garden but when i was using a hose more um and setting things up to kind of automatically water then having you know some pressure in that system to help kind of push that water through and get to further um, into the garden was something that you know i'd started to think a bit more about um, and with a lot of rainwater catchment systems you know there's not it's not a pressurized system you know you're just kind of running the water 
out from a faucet into a watering can and then you know watering your plot with it but there's a lot more sophisticated uh, rainwater harvesting or rainwater catchment systems now and um, people have gotten very very creative I've seen things with you know this kind of permeated um, piping that's got like holes and things in it that people bury and then that moves water away um, there's some flushing that happens where you know you all the crud that comes off the roofing is flushed off first before any of that water get starts to be um, harvested which I didn't know that that was even a thing so we've been spending quite a bit of time figuring out how we want to um, capture water like you know what what's going to be the best way for us to do right some places have you know 55 gallon barrels other places are using these you know giant 200 and something liter IBCs some people have got these even bigger like rainwater catchment things that are thousands of gallons so you know there's there's a lot to kind of figure out in terms of cost and how much water are we really going to use luckily you know Maine gets quite a, a decent amount of water um, but there's some definite changes that we're going to want to do in terms of like how water is being moved across the property and that's a lot of where um, the permaculture design is coming from like how can we better um, capture the water and move that water to where we want it to go for some passive watering um, so there's some pretty cool things I mean for us the tool shed in the garden is an obvious place um, for me to start harvesting rainwater so I can reduce having to lug like five gallon buckets of well water that have been you know filled up on you know from the faucet outside by the well um, which is all the way over at the opposite end of the property up the hill um, and then you know having to lug that all the way down the hill to get to the garden um, but also like having to put gutters on the house and some other rainwater harvesting off the house um, honestly I think I would really like to move some of the water off the house over to the herb garden as a swale for some passive watering um, it avoids needing to hook up barrels or an IBC container which don't exactly look pretty I mean I'm sure my husband can like build something to kind of you know cover them and make them look a, a little better um, but we we want to make sure that you know things are kind of in the dark to not encourage the algae to grow um, so things don't exactly look pretty and um, because we're a north facing slope you know things are often um, in the shade and you know kind of overly moist and stuff so we just want to make sure that um, things are going to be put to good use um, and be able to move that water to where we want to to go like I'm a huge fan of passive passive watering and there's a lot of ways in which we can do that even in a small backyard um, there's some really great um, videos and tutorials that I've seen on how people are moving water collecting water and putting it to a better use in their backyard um, without a lot of input um, there's some that are you know far far more complicated than than others so um, if it's something that interests you then definitely take a look there's a, a lot of things that are out there 
and um, yeah we'll be sure to talk about what we end up going with a little bit later in the season. Um, the second improvement for us is fencing and I never thought in a month of Sundays that I would spend so much time contemplating fencing options, right? When we were in the suburbs, it was kind of easy, like, oh, vinyl fence. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do that. Um, where we are now, um, you know, we've got fencing up around the garden area, which is, um, a pretty decent size. Our garden area is about 75 feet by 60 feet. Um, but we do need some fencing generally around the property, especially as we want to move to introduce livestock. I want to get my doggies out on the land um, without them taking off through the woods or onto a neighbor's property. Like, you know, I've got border collies. I want them to, to work with the livestock. And I like, I need that mental kind of piece about having some level of fencing there and boundaries for them to work with um and i'm especially concerned because we back on to um a large couple of acreage lots and you know hunting season i definitely don't want my dogs running around um and people who are hunting on the land i, I want them to realize like that they're in close proximity to um a smaller parcel of land that's got a lot going on there and thinking as a permaculture designer, um, I want to use what we already have on the land um, for our fencing. The hedges take a long time to grow and establish. Sheep, you know, those goats, I guess, are pretty great at finding ways out of a hedge. Um, hedges are great from a permaculture standpoint, right? You can combine them with various like medicinal or um you know edible plants to be able to you know provide more diversity you can distract wildlife with providing a different food source um, you can use hedges to be productive in terms of coppicing like providing wood for you know whatever um, enterprises you're looking at doing whether it's making baskets or um weaving you know obelisks or like climbing towers and stuff for plants to grow up right there's a lot of things that you can do and you know i'm so used to seeing hedges right being from the uk like hedges were a kind of normal thing for the countryside and you know i'm kind of surprised half the time that i'm like oh i don't have a hedge i've got stone walls um but i don't have a hedge um and you know hedges offer other benefits too like they're able to um help buffer prevailing winds um, so they can reduce some of that coming into the garden which can help your plants get established. So that's kind of one of the things that we thought about but because they take such a long time to grow um, there would be a need for fencing whilst the hedge is getting established anyway. So you know is there some fencing that we can make that uses down trees and brush that we have? There absolutely is. My husband and I have been looking at traditional fencing, like wattle fencing from the UK. Um, we've got a couple of hazels that are in like in dire need of coppicing and kind of clearing, you know, tidying up and stuff. Um, but then we started looking at round pole fencing, um, junk pole fencing, traditional fencing that's used in um, Finland and Norway, which was kind of like these round pole fencing. Um, but they were split, so the, the poles were split to kind of get more um, from, you know, the, the 
materials that you have so it was able to kind of make more fence um, from fewer poles because you're splitting them up which was kind of cool to see um, and we spent a lot of time looking at these um, you know some different traditional Norwegian fencing um, styles and some Finnish fencing as well um, and that was really cool to see because they were really leveraging what they had there was a lot of you know spruce that was being um, used to to make some of this fencing you know there was like spruce saplings that were being used to make the ties it was very very interesting um, to look at and quite quite inspiring so I think we're actually going to be using a number of different fencing styles around the property to limit the deer access and kind of keep the uh, the mossy bottom motley crew where they're supposed to be um, so that's actually something I'm quite excited to build I never thought I would be excited about putting in fencing um, but I am and honestly like as we're going through and you know putting in this fencing we're kind of doing a tidy up activity anyway anything that's too rotten can become part of the hugel culture material that we're going to be putting in um clearing of these down trees and brush means that we can really start to see more of the land that we have and start to really work on that overall permaculture design for the property now the barns come down we you know the back of the property is actually getting a lot more light so an area that was once complete shade all year round is now all of a sudden getting light and this is like the first year that it's getting all of this light and it's going to be really exciting to see um, what that actually does come spring and how that land is going to change um, from all of that um, demolition work that was happening. Now I want to talk a little bit about goals and experiments because with that new growing season just around the corner there's probably lots that you are thinking about doing in the garden or on your homestead. Um, we've been setting some goals like the rainwater harvesting and fencing that I just talked about but there's other experiments that we're thinking about that are likely to become goals for this year. So I wanted to talk about some of those experiments that we have kind of coming up and much to my surprise my husband even came up with one of these. Now my husband does not get excited about gardening. Like you hand me a garden hoe or a shovel and a wheelbarrow and watch my eyes light up and a spring in my step as I you know hike barrel loads of mulch into the garden or I'm earthing up the potatoes or removing weeds whatever. I love gardening so I was really taken aback when my hubby said that he wanted to do an experiment in the garden to see what gardening method would work best for our homestead like oh tell me more my dear um his idea is to test out a couple of plants over different gardening methods to see which one will give the biggest overall yield as in like weight yield of produce and then subjectively kind of which tastes better the same plants and varieties would be used and there would be a control bed where you know only watering would happen so there wouldn't be any additional things that are added to it it's just having the water added in there so he chose tomatoes and kale for his choice of plants the kale it's fast and easy to grow um, and providing we can keep the deer away from it and tomatoes are always in need at our house like I can never have too many tomato plants she says um, 
but actually because of the sheer amount of sauce that we we make and we split with our neighbor we're actually combining efforts for tomato um, sauce making this year so um, if i can have plenty of tomato plants that would be great now the tricky bit for my hubby's garden experiment is which gardening methods to use um, there is no way i'm doing any conventional growing or spraying to contaminate the land that i'm potentially going to look at um you know possibly certifying as organic down the road so that is definitely out like i don't want chemicals coming into contact with the land um permaculture techniques could be leveraged in one garden bed maybe um organic gardening methods definitely could in in another biodynamic in another garden bed perhaps or maybe some holistic mix of um all of these gardening techniques i'm really curious which methods you would test my dear friend um in your garden if you were to do this experiment or let me know which ones you would like to see um because i think this could be kind of an interesting like ongoing sort of discussion for us to sort of chat about um on the podcast and also um show you on youtube so let me know in the facebook group which methods you would like to see being tested um the starting area for this experiment would be the tilled in-ground beds from last year they were covered with wood chips um so the beds were all started in the same way they've not had anything additional added to them um the seeds would be started in the same medium the same seed starting mix um they might be treated differently depending on the techniques that we're testing so for example biodynamics we would have seed starting on days that are aligned to be most favorable depending on if the plant is a fruit type like the tomato um or if it is a leaf type like the kale and we might do some um, treatment of the medium to align with what is done in biodynamic gardening and farming. So um, that would just kind of depend. So the experiment, that's experiment number one in the garden, completely driven by my husband's curiosity and a way for me to get him out into the garden. So that's kind of one. And honestly, I'm kind of curious too. Like I'm really curious to see like which method would actually grow better um so that's kind of got my my little scientific brain um you know twirling in all sorts of ways um so let's talk about experiment number two which is my land race leaks and for those of you who have been long-time listeners you will probably have heard about my my various land race breeding projects and um, especially the overwintered leak project um basically i'm trying to breed leeks that survive main to winter without any frost protection and since leeks flower in the second year and this is the first winter they have gone through here in maine um, this is an ongoing long-term experiment but i'm quite excited to say that there was lots of leeks in the garden um, that are going to be hopefully ready to flower in the upcoming spring and summer so i'm very hopeful for lots of seed and lots of diversity there to really get in and start selecting um the type of leak that i'm looking for so you know am i looking for a certain shape or a certain size or you know what what kind of attributes am, am i looking for personally as the gardener um and I'm going to be able to start doing that in the next couple of years once I've got some pretty solid hardy leeks surviving winter here. So that's a, a, a continual experiment that is going on here at Mossy Bottom. Experiment three is around fruit trees. Um, the more that we've been out and about in the land throughout the different seasons, the more that we've found things on the land. Um, I've got some struggling pear trees, a struggling plum tree, an old apple tree that's barely hanging on and it's so covered in woodpecker holes I'm honestly surprised that there's enough 
strengthen the bows to keep it standing especially with some of the um, weather that we have had coming through now my neighbors loaned me their copy of the holistic orchard by the late michael phillips and i am it like two chapters in and my brain is already full of ideas um, i want to see if i can rejuvenate these neglected old trees here on the property enough to be able to successfully graft the old trees and bring an old orchard back to life and even if you're in the suburbs i'm sure many of you probably have like an old fruit tree that might be on your property and um you know i think this is going to be an interesting sort of experiment to see like just trying different techniques as to what works um for our trees and how we can kind of help um you know bring those plants that are there um you know back to life and to becoming a bit more productive um i've seen an almost dead peach tree come back to life um, and consistently bear fruit in our old backyard orchard um, we moved an apple tree that was a good 10 years old twice um, around the property and that tree made it too and the only thing that we really did in our backyard orchard was to make a sheet mulch garden cover everything with wood chips and plant in some beneficial plants like comfrey sage um, elysium um, horseradish lemon balm rhubarb mint strawberries like we had kind of these semi permaculture tree guilds with heavy mulch and it worked very well at turning sandy soil into something rich and loamy full of worms abundant harvests on those plants um we didn't have you know problems with disease there was there was a lot of good things that were coming to that so i'm kind of curious to see how implementing some of these other things that I'm reading in the holistic orchard um, how you know that's going to affect some of these you know older trees um, I really want to rejuvenate what we already have before I bring in new trees partly so I can try and figure out what varieties I already have so I can make better pollination partner choices um, but also so you know I kind of have some time to work in some um, permaculture driven changes to the land which I kind of alluded to a little earlier in this podcast and um, which brings me to experiment number four which is swales and ponds and I've put these together since they relate to capturing of water but they really are kind of separate things um, I'm planning on making some terraces to really maximize the use of the slopes here at Mossy Bottom growing on a north facing slope is a challenge even more so in a short season um, but a slope has some definite advantages like it helps move cold air away from my fruit trees um, and if I can successfully make swale trails with a hugel culture berm that's got a south facing terrace on the berm now we're in some really exciting orchard growing and just general growing territory um, the hugel culture provides a great source of nutrition water absorption and a home for a lot of mycorrhizal fungi to support healthy fruit trees did I mention that the Holistic Orchard book I'm reading has really got my brain firing? There's a lot of things that I can leverage from different techniques and we can try them and see how they play out together. And in case you were wondering, a swale trail is a swale, which is something that captures rainwater and allows it to slowly seep into the ground. 
but a swale trail is also a pathway and it's usually filled with wood chips because they absorb a lot of moisture so that really helps to capture that rainwater and allow it to seep in the ground and get used by the plants now the pond is something that i have been thinking about ever since we saw how the snow melt in spring gathered on the main garden area and sets back planting by a good few weeks depending um, on the weather basically waiting you know for that water to drain ponds are a great way to provide water sources for native pollinators habitat for a myriad of different creatures like frogs toads salamanders or newts if you're in the uk um turtles snakes and all of those creatures will um, quite happily take care of slugs and other bugs that are not overly welcome in your veg garden. Um, ponds also help to stabilise temperatures in an area um, as well as providing you know that water source. I would really like to help the natural snowmelt move to a small pond on the property. Um, there's some natural wetland areas already on the homestead. I mean, we called it Mossy Bottom because of those wetland mossy areas. And I'll be honest, there's going to be a lot of earthworks that are kind of going to be needed here. Um, digging a terrace or a swale or even a pond on your own by hand is going to take a long time and this experiment is going to be a long-term one and as we change the way the water moves around the land and we direct the water to where we want it to go like under the garden you know like are we going to passively have a swale that's going to allow that water to just kind of you know seep under those garden beds watering is going to really encourage those plant roots to go down deep into the ground to seek the water and is going to help have sturdier plants this passive watering is um you know a big goal for me to have on the property and that's going to be a goal that's going to be achieved by starting with one shovelful of earth at the time um it's going to be some good exercise for me um but i mean if you're faced with a large task on your property like don't be put off by it step by step is the way to go and remember that every garden started from a beginning and somebody picking up a garden tool and starting with that first shovelful of dirt or laying down some cardboard it's not a sprint and each season you can do a little more just go step by step and i would love to hear from you what are you planning on trying in your garden this year what experiments um, are you going to be trying and if you were able to kind of see what uh, type of garden is going to grow the best plant what would you be thinking like which which type of gardening technique do you think is going to produce the best or the biggest yield let me know over in the facebook group and until next time i hope your garden grows beautifully and i will talk to you next week